The man whose sins are forgiven and who knows that his times and his seasons are in the hands of the sovereign God. And every detail of his life is in the hands of a sovereign, loving, gracious God who has forgiven him. He knows there is nothing to be anxious about. He knows there is no need to get depressed. And there is no need to mistrust God. Welcome to the Protestant Witness. This is Pastor Patrick Hines. Uh, I'd like to post today um, a sermon I preached a while back on defeating depression. And this is an issue that uh, I know a lot of folks have very serious uh, struggles with. And it's a a topic that I've studied some over the the past few years, um, having had a lot of folks that, that deal with it and wanting to understand it biblically. And there's a lot of really good books out there uh, on uh, this topic. Martin Lloyd-Jones wrote a book on spiritual depression that's, that's outstanding. Um, uh, David Murray uh, from uh, up at Puritan Reformed Theological Seminary, he wrote a very good book. And, and there's, there's a number of others. There's one called um, Spurgeon's Sorrows about his struggle with uh, depression and, and anxiety. And this is an important topic uh, because I think that there are a lot more people that deal with this kind of thing that often are willing to admit it. And it's something that we see addressed directly in Scripture, too. Um, the psalm writers are um, refre- refreshingly candid uh, in the way that they felt. Uh, psalm 88, uh, I've always seen as probably, probably one of the most difficult passages. I, I've wondered, every time I, I read, read through that psalm, I, I wonder how I would try to to preach that uh, psalm, um, because there, it's uh, other than the fact that he refers to God as the God of his salvation at the very uh, beginning, um, there's really not a ray of light anywhere else in the whole psalm, and that would be a, a difficult uh, text to go through uh, and uh, exposit, but um, but well worth it, because I know that there are people who, who sincerely and truly, that, that is their experience. Um, some a lot more than others. Some have kind of a, a constitution as people um, that gives them sort of a predisposition towards being excessively sad or sorrowful or, or down or just kind of having a what, what the uh, people of yesteryear called a melancholy disposition. But anyway, there is an answer. There's hope uh, for those that deal with depression uh, and anxiety. Um, and it's a battle. It's a battle um, that a lot of us have to fight and, uh, and deal with on an ongoing basis. Basis, and it's one of the the greatest things about the blessed hope of of eternal life and new heavens and a new earth is that there will be no uh, depression and there will be no anxiety uh, in that place. And I know that that's uh, one of the things that um, a lot of people take a, a great deal of comfort in. So I hope that this uh, edifies your soul, uh, especially if you're someone who deals with depression or or maybe you know someone who does. Um, this is one of my more popular sermons. I think I think this particular one. I've done several sermons on depression. I think this particular one has more than 300 uh, downloads, so, uh, and it's only a couple years old. So anyway, I hope that you find this uh, edifying, and if you know someone that might be struggling with this issue, um, maybe you could forward them a link to this episode of The Protestant Witness. Let's pray together for the Lord's blessing on our time in His Word. Heavenly Father, thank you again for the opportunity to gather here together, that you have put your Word in its entirety into our laps and our Bibles. Lord, we are so blessed. Uh, to have everything that you wanted to give us, everything that men uh, as fallen and as redeemed needed to know in order to have fellowship with you uh, and to have peace with you and to be able to live life free from anxiety, free from depression. 
And we pray that you would help us to learn that better this day. In Christ's name, amen. Please turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4, taking a break from our Romans series, just one Sunday. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 13. Philippians 4, 6 through 13. I wanted to do a sermon on defeating depression. Defeating depression. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 13. This is God's word. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. May God bless the reading of his infallible word. The scripture says in Psalm 42, verse 5, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? The very next verse in that same psalm says, Oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Psalm 42, verse 11. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? And then Psalm 43, 5. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Is depression a modern, unique phenomenon? Hardly. Depression is a very common problem for fallen mankind. Now, what is depression? What exactly are we talking about here? Depression is more than just tearfulness or feelings of sadness. It refers to a range of mood and other symptoms that are intense, long-lasting, and distressing to the person. These symptoms will likely interfere with a person's day-to-day life and relationships. The symptoms of depression include, one, not wanting to go out or take part in activities that were previously enjoyable to you. Two, withdrawing from social contact with friends and or family. Three, difficulties in concentrating or sleeping. Four, feeling overwhelmed, guilty, or frustrated. And fifth and finally, experiencing negative thoughts. I'm sorry, one more. And six, feeling sick, tired, or run down all the time. Now, depression can be caused by physical Issues. It's not always brought on by the situations of life. Depression can be caused by vitamin deficiency. It can be caused by chemical imbalance and most frequently by poor circulation among the physical causes. So those, those things are real causes of depression. Vitamin deficiency, chemical imbalance, and poor blood circulation. If blood isn't getting to your head effectively, you can become depressed. So there are a few physical issues that can cause depression, but the vast majority of what causes depression is not physical and is not chemical and has nothing to do with vitamins. 
The number of people today on antidepressant medications is absolutely staggering in our day. But unless medication is aimed at some kind of physical malady or condition, antidepressant pills can be detrimental to you. You cannot accomplish with pills what only Christ can do. Now, what causes depression? Here's a a list I, I came up with. Guilt, overwhelming responsibilities, envy, bitterness, resentment, hating someone, feelings of being trapped, mistreatment of other people, unrealized and unrealistic expectations in your life that you haven't accomplished yet, unmarried people who see others getting married, people unable to have children seeing others have children, loss of loved ones, contemplation of the problems of the world, feeling your life is useless and not worth anything. How many of you have ever said that to yourself? My life's not worth anything. It has no real value to anybody else. Hypocrisy among Christians can cause depression. Difficulties raising children. Exhausting battles with personal sin. Believing that if people really knew you and really knew what you struggle with internally, that nobody would really love you. Regrets over past mistakes, regrets over present mistakes, non-Christians in your immediate family, working hard and not getting recognized for it, liberalism in the church, apostasy in the church, wayward children, loneliness, not liking your physical appearance, laziness in doing work, bickering among your children, division in your family, etc., etc. And there are a multitude of other things that we could list here that bring about or cause depression in us. And I'd like to share with you what really brings depression in us. First of all, none of the things I listed get you depressed. Nothing I just listed there gets you depressed. Depression is the result of us not handling the things I just listed in a biblical and God-glorifying manner. We get depressed because we do not obey Philippians 4, 6-13. And so friends... Nobody and no thing gets you depressed. We get ourselves depressed. We get ourselves depressed. We fail to handle situations biblically. And this brings about guilt and we go down into the pit. It's not a psychological thing that we inherit. It's not a recessive gene. That's just an excuse. Depression is something that we do to ourselves. And it's really an altered form of pride and self-centeredness. I want to warn you, depression is not a big monster. People will say, depression just came over me. It's not like a huge grizzly bear just attacks us and we just can't do anything about it. It just comes and gets us. It comes over me. I'm not accountable for it. Depression is not like that, folks. Some situation in your life is not handled properly and we decide to get depressed about it. And because we choose to get depressed, we just add guilt, and down the spiral we go. Depression is allowing yourself to dwell on things you know depress you. We dwell on what we know will depress us. We just think about those things over and over and over and over again, and we don't think about how it can be cured. We just think about the thing that depresses us constantly. And then the wash piles up, and the dishes pile up, and my house, the diapers pile up. We listen to music that we know will depress us on purpose, and down we go. And the more you do this, the deeper you go, the more guilt you feel. And it paralyzes us, it immobilizes us. It's masochistic. It is an attempt to atone for our own sins. Depression is a denial 
of the sufficiency of the work of Jesus Christ. It is a denial of the sufficiency of Christ. We feel we've got to punish ourselves. We've got to atone ourselves. I don't have the right to be happy. What are the things that you allow to get you depressed? Whatever they are, I want you to be certain of this. You don't need to get depressed. You do not have to get depressed. Paint the picture as bleak and as dark as you want to. I want you to remember this. 1 John 4, verse 4. You are of God, little children. You're not of the devil any longer. You're not a slave of sin any longer. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. You don't have to get depressed. You don't need to get depressed. And I wanted to preach this message right on the heels of Romans chapter 6 because Romans 6 is such a gold mine for the Christian to understand and apply to real life. And this is a serious sin issue that people have in our day and age. It's a serious sin issue. Depression is a sin issue. And I want everyone to see how the truth of Scripture and the work of Jesus Christ in our lives really does have the capacity to effect real and lasting change. In us. And I want to encourage you with that truth, especially if this is a real battleground for you. If anxiety and depression are real battlegrounds for you, uh, three words you can change. If you're a Christian, you can change. It is not God's will for you to be constantly paralyzed by guilt, paralyzed by depression, paralyzed by sadness, paralyzed by anxiety. That is not God's will for you. God gave you a unique set of gifts. He made you special for a reason. He wants you to use those gifts, not to take them and bury them in the ground. And whatever circumstances God's plan brings into your life, they are not too much for you to handle. In fact, depression is one of the ultimate examples of not trusting God. It is an expression of not trusting Him and of not telling the truth about who God is. You need to understand depression that is not caused by physical factors, is sinful. It is a sin for which you and I must repent. And if you're a Christian, there's something unique that can be said to you that can't be said to the non-Christian. To the Christian, you can actually say, get a hold of yourself. Get control of yourself. You're not the slave of sin any longer. You're a slave of Christ, a slave of obedience. Take hold of yourself. You're not the slave of sin. And depression is a sin. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Depression is idolatry. Flee from it. Flee from it. Get a hold of yourself. You can control what you think about. You can control what you meditate on. You don't have to be depressed. No matter what it is in your life, no matter what it might be, as bleak as it may be, you don't have to be depressed. You don't have to disengage. You don't have to go wallow with your head down and be sad. Why so downcast, oh my soul? Why so downcast, oh my soul? Christians, believers have always struggled with those kinds of things. But you, if you're a Christian, you have the ability to say, no, I will not. I will not go there in my thinking. I will not go into the realm of depression. The temptation... To sin by choosing depression will never be more than you can bear. But more on this later. Let's walk through Philippians 4, 6-13. I've given you a three-point outline there. Let's look at it together. Point number one, a prohibition on anxiety and depression. Verse 6. Listen carefully to the word of God here. 
Verse 6 of Philippians chapter 4. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. A lot packed into a single verse. Paul wrote these words from a dungeon, from a prison. He was a man who, in the eyes of the world, had very little. Very little. And when you have very little, you have very little fear of losing it. Here is a man who had every reason to be anxious given his circumstances. But Philippians, as you well know, all of you who are diligent students of the Bible, it's the epistle of joy. It's the epistle of joy in the Bible. It's the jewel of joy. When you're down, read Philippians and remember the guy that wrote it was in rags in a dungeon, chained to a wall. The man whose sins are forgiven and who knows that his times and his seasons are in the hands of the sovereign God. Every detail of his life is in the hands of a sovereign, loving, gracious God who has forgiven him. He knows there is nothing to be anxious about. He knows there is no need to get depressed. There is no need to mistrust God. These words in Philippians 4.6 were penned by a man who believed in the absolute, meticulous sovereignty and decree of God. Only a man in the circumstances that he was in could say something like this. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving make your requests known to God. And as a particular application to the topic at hand, I would include under that category of anxiety, depression. We can include that here as well. That verb for be anxious for nothing is merimnao in Greek. It means to be overly concerned about, to worry about, to be anxious about. It is all those things, all those circumstances listed that I listed at the beginning, all those different things and a whole bunch more I'm sure you could have added to it, that brings about excessive concern and worry. The command from on high to the people of God is never worry about anything. Never worry about anything. Never be anxious about anything ever. It is a sin to do so. R.C. Sproul said this, quote, Our Lord may be surprised at how little his bride talks to him, end quote. Friends, the purpose of the circumstances that test us is to turn us to God in prayer. That's why they're there. So that we will turn to him and say, yes, in myself, I can't handle this, but in you, I can handle anything. It's to illustrate our inability to cope with these things without him. Notice the second phrase of the verse, verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, see the next phrase, but in everything. Think about that. Every source of anxiety, every source of depression, how do you deal with it? By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. My father told me more times than I can remember, son, I don't worry, I pray. And he was one of the only people I ever knew that he was actually serious. I don't worry, I pray. And he would say, son, when you worry, you're engaging in demonic meditation. You're disobeying God. Stop it. Go to sleep. Stop laying there awake all night, son. Pray and then forget about it. And the man would quote this entire passage from memory to me. You know what makes you depressed? You know what it is. You know what it is. You know what you worry about? The answer is so easy. Make those things known to God. Speak to God. They're there to make you talk to God. Make them known to him by prayer and supplication. Now that word supplication is a very intense word. Supplication, deese in Greek there, means an urgent request to meet a need exclusively addressed to God. An urgent need, an urgent request. 
Why are prayers prompted by the causes of anxiety and depression urgent? Why are those urgent? Why are those urgent? Because anxiety and depression are sins. And if you're moving in the direction of anxiety and depression, you've got to call on God, help me, I don't want to sin against you by being anxious or depressed. Anxiety and depression are sinful responses to the circumstances of our lives. Temptation to sin is always the cause to cry out with urgent requests to God. God, help me. Make them known to God. You hear the command of Scripture? Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything that makes you anxious, every circumstance, everything that you know of in your life, make it known to God. Make it known to Him. Pray to Him. We are making an urgent request to God to meet a need. And so we pray, Lord God of heaven and earth, I don't want to be anxious. I am anxious. I can feel it coming on. I don't want to be anxious. Help me. Help me. I don't want to be depressed. Help me not become depressed. I don't want to choose depression instead of trusting you and your good and precious promises and entrusting in the peace that Christ won for me. When we pray and make these requests known to God, we have this precious promise. Look at verse 7. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That's, that's a nugget of pure gold for the people of God. Why does this peace surpass all understanding? Because it is unique to the Christian. It is supernatural in its origin. It's a peace that doesn't make sense to everyone outside of Christ. The unbeliever can't know the peace of which Philippians 4, 7 speaks here. And the promise is that the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard, protect, and keep our hearts and our minds. Now, why, why would our hearts need to be guarded? And there that term in Greek is cardia. We get the word cardiology, cardia. It's used here specifically to refer to a person's physical, spiritual, and mental life. The peace of God will guard your mind. Guard your inner person. And it is there that the battle rages. Our minds, our thoughts are the battleground. You know that's true. You're alone with your thoughts. Your thoughts take you to the dark places. And what the word of God is saying is pray, make your urgent request known to God, and his peace will guard your mind. It will guard your heart. Why do we get depressed? Our hearts dwell upon that which we know full well makes us depressed. We dwell on that which we know makes us depressed. And here, the promise of God to those who pray is this. I will guard your heart from this. God is promising you, I will guard you from it. Hand it to God, he will protect you. Make your urgent request to God, and he will meet it. In 1 Peter 5, 7, the scriptures say, Casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. God cares about you. You have those circumstances that lead you to anxiety and depression, because God wants you to cast it upon him, and to know, I care about you. The circumstances that are out of your control, I care about those things. I care about you. Our all-powerful and glorious God, who loves us so much that he sent his Son into the world to suffer and die for us, to purchase for himself, for all eternity, us, and to justify us by his imputed righteousness, to forgive and sanctify us, to fill our hearts with joy, and then to adopt us into his family and to be a father to us. He is commanding us to give our concerns to him. Give them to God. Make them known to God. And then his peace will guard your heart and your mind. You can change. You are not a slave of anxiety. You are not a slave of depression. You can change. Now, I can already hear the objections. I have prayed about it. And it, and it ain't working. And my heart doesn't feel guarded. And I'm still anxious. And I'm still depressed. But friends, 
I'm not talking about a three-second prayer here. I'm not talking about, Lord, please take this from me and help me be depressed. Okay, go ahead. It doesn't work like that. you got to labor in prayer. You have to entreat God to take your concerns and to fill you with his peace that passes understanding. Remember the psalm writer, Psalm 119, verse 82? He said, my eyes fail from searching your words, saying, when will you comfort me? He was sad too. And what was he doing? He was wearing out his Bible, reading and reading and reading. My eyes hurt. I I can hardly keep them focused on the words. When are you going to take me to the verse that's going to give me the answer? It's hard work. It's hard work to make everything known to God, to really hand it over to God. It's like carrying a whole bunch of bags of cement over. You've got to keep making trip after trip after trip until it's all finally over there. You have to do that work in prayer to really give it to God. You see, some of our anxieties, some of our depression issues, some of them are very small. Some of them are like just a little tree, a little sapling growing up out of the ground. Your index finger and your thumb, you can just pull it right out. Some have been growing there for years and years. Some are giant oaks. And a hundred men pulling on it can't get it out. Those, you got to sharpen the maul and the axe and, and whack on them a few times to get them out. you got to pray and pray and pray and pray and pray. Lord, I am tired of carrying this burden. It's killing me. I'm, I don't want to be depressed. I don't want to live my life under a rain cloud. I want to live in your smile, in your warm countenance towards me, trusting you. So you got to pray harder than three seconds for some of these issues. But the promise of God still stands. It still stands. If you do that, if you make it known to God and you hand your anxieties to God, his peace will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. The peace of God will guard your heart and your mind. And always remember that verse, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. I don't care what the issue is, what it is. The one in you is greater. He's always greater. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, urgent requests, With thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, moving to the second point here, uh, verses 8 and 9. Truth, goodness, and duty, I've called this section. Look at verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true. Okay, stop right there just for a second. Whatever things are true. I want you to think about that just for a moment. We, since the fall of man into sin, we are really, really good at lying. Especially to ourselves. If you battle anxiety and depression or both, there are certain things you got to get rid of from your vocabulary. Even if you think, oh, they're, they're just figures of speech, they're just me expressing my frustration. For example, I, I just can't take it anymore. If you're right about that statement, God is a liar. I can't take it anymore. Enough of this. It's too much of a burden. No, it isn't. If it was, you wouldn't be experiencing it. If you're right, God's a liar. You are not tempted beyond what you're able. You are not given more than you can take. Stop lying about it. Don't say, I can't take it. God, it's too much. No, it's not. And he has promised to help you. The purpose of it is to get you to hand it over to him. That's why it's there. To hand it over to him so that he can guard your mind and guard your heart from going there. Lying to ourselves about our situation is the first step toward anxiety and toward depression. And so whatever things are true, first and foremost, whatever's true, meditate upon that. And then the passage goes on. Whatever things are noble. 
Whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do and the God of peace will be with you. Okay, I have a question for you. We all need to ask this question. What do you fill your mind with? What kind of music do you listen to? What do you watch on TV? What videos or shows do you watch on the various entertainment streaming media outlets? Netflix, Spotify, Amazon Instant Video, etc. And $100 I left out. It's real simple, folks. Garbage in, garbage out. You can't reflect a whole lot on the glory of Christ if your mind is filled with images of the zombie apocalypse. Now, is, that, is entertainment wrong? No. But is this passage commanding us to do, you do nothing except read your Bible in all your free time? No. But friends, God knows us really well. He knows us really well because He made us. He created us. God knows that the patterns of thought we engage in are very much determined by what is fed into our minds. It has a massive impact on us. It is incredibly naive for us to say, oh, it's all Christian liberty. I can do whatever I want. All things are permissible. Yeah, not everything edifies. And not everything I do is edifying, but it's really not that big of a deal because I don't really see any effects upon me. Look at the passage. God knows you need to think about what is noble, just, Pure, lovely, of good report. If there is virtue, if anything praiseworthy, meditate on those things. What do you fill your mind with? I heard a story of a a man who thought it was just a terrible thing. A terrible thing to eat the best tasting part of his meal last. True story. And so his wife knew to bring him his dessert first at every dinner. So he'd have a big slice of Brownie, ice cream, fudge pie, or apple pie, or whatever. Before dinner, every night. And then he'd eat about a third or a half of his dinner. Well, folks, the problem with eating dessert first is that your health's going to suffer. Because you won't have anything left in your stomach. You won't have any room left to put the good stuff. To put steak and potatoes and beans and vegetables and things like that. Reward yourself with things that entertain you in moderation, folks. If we, if we eat chocolate pie and, and eat whatever all day long and have a little room left for a piece of spinach every now and then, we're going to suffer from that physically. It's the same thing with our minds and spiritual matters. Don't fill it with images of violence and all kinds of immorality and everything else. Fill it with good things, lovely things, serious things, things that are praiseworthy. Reward yourself with things that entertain you in moderation, but fill your mind with the good things. The things that are beautiful, serious, important, of good report, noble, lovely. If you're a reader, make sure you read good books. Challenging books. Books that inspire you. Books about people who did great things with their lives for the Lord. And then, once in a while, if you want to go read the paperback novel, go read the paperback novel. But if all you ever read is the paperback novel, then you're not getting good things in your mind. That's not what you're meditating upon. God is being so practical here and saying, by the way, this has a huge impact on you. Think about things that are good. Think about things that are lovely, of good report, noble, virtuous. If you like listening to music, listen to pretty music. Listen to beautiful music. Whatever things are noble, just pure, of good report, anything praiseworthy, let this be where your mind goes. Don't start with dessert. Don't start with dessert. Eat steak, potatoes, beans, and vegetables first, and then a little dessert afterwards. Do the same thing with your mind. And Paul is able to look at his own example here. 
It's a great thing when those teaching can actually say, look at me and do what I do. Look at verse 9. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Those who are teachers and examples to others, especially parents, it is vital that your children see you leading by example in terms of what your mind reflects upon and what goes into it. Truth, goodness, and beauty. What is true, what is good, what is beautiful. Let that be what your mind is on and what your mind is full of. Number three. Look at verses 10 and 11 there in your Bible. Contentment in all things through Christ who strengthens me. Look at verse 10. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. Here's one of the keys to the whole passage, folks. The key to defeating anxiety, the key to defeating depression is contentment. And contentment is not something we're born with. Contentment is something we learn. It's something God teaches us over the long haul in our lives. God teaches it to us. He teaches it to us by very often, please hear me, God teaches us contentment very often by depriving us of what we want. And Paul is here saying that he has learned in whatever circumstance he is in to be content. You know how we learn that? By being deprived of what we want. God will say, no, I'm not going to give that to you because I know you want it, but it's not what's best for you right now. So I'm not going to give it to you because I want you to find your contentment in me. I want you to hand that burden over to me. I want you to learn that whatever happens in life, whether you are abased or whether you have nothing, whether you're full or you're hungry, you're going to find your satisfaction in me. And so, but I really want this. No. And you keep praying, but I really want this. No. Remember Paul, the thorn in his side? Three times I asked the Lord to remove it from me. And what was God's answer all three times? No, my grace is sufficient for you. Something he really wanted to be rid of. Nobody knows what it was. There's a whole bunch of different ideas. What was the thorn in his side? We don't know exactly what it was. But he asked, God, please take it from me. And God said, no, you're better with it. And my grace is sufficient for you. I'm going to teach you contentment, Paul. You're going to learn it. You're going to be the most content guy in the world. You're going to have no choice but to completely trust in me. I'm going to make sure it happens. Because, Paul, you're an example. And everyone's watching you. You need to be an example that people look at. Man, nothing nothing can shake the guy. He's in prison and he's filled with joy. So Paul needed that. He needed that strength. Now, look at verses 12 and 13 in closing. I know, says Paul, I know how to be a base. That means to have almost nothing. And I know how to abound, to have a lot. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. As a Christian, having a lot, we can be content. Having nothing, we can be content. Being full, we can be content. Being hungry, we can be content. And then we have what is perhaps the most abused passage in the entire Bible. Verse 13, look at it again. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, I think that everyone here is a diligent enough student of the Bible to know that that has nothing to do with winning NBA championships or Super Bowls or Olympic gold medals or bench pressing 800 pounds. Now, I suppose I could try that. Put 800 pounds on the bench and then say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me and give it a shot, but you'd probably have to form the uh, pastor search committee again. (laughs) 
Another point that's important, important in our interpretation of verse 17 is a simple grammatical uh, textual fact here. The Greek word for do is actually not in the text. So it doesn't actually really say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now that, that is, it makes it read a lot smoother. But people key in on that word and the fact is the word's not there. Now a very strict rendering of this passage would sound more like this, quote, I have strength for all things in Christ. That's what it's saying. The one strengthening me. I have strength for all things in Christ, the one who strengthens me. Or, quote, I have strength for all things in Christ's strengthening of me. Something like that. And there's really nothing here that says I can do all things. Now, as I said, that's not a bad translation per se, but it really takes the focus off the main point. What's the main point of verse 13? What is the antecedent of all things? Look at verse 13 again. I can do all things. Or I have strength for all things. What is the antecedent of all things there? Any circumstance. To be abased and to have a lot. To be hungry or full. All circumstances, all that comes to my life, by God's providence and by his sovereign design, I can handle them all. I have strength to be content in them all because of Christ, the one who strengthens me. Not to worry, not to be depressed, not to be anxious, but to be content. To have a quiet resignation to the will of God in my life. Paul is saying, no matter what the circumstance, God, through all of my sufferings, my trials and tribulations, he's taught me. And I've learned to be content. And that's what God wants for every Christian person. He's going to teach you how to be content in him. And so he's going to deprive you of things. He's going to say no to things you really want. Even good and holy things, he'll say no to you. To teach you contentment in all circumstances. And then maybe, perhaps, when we're ready, he'll give us more things that we want. Every circumstance that God brings us, no matter what it is, folks, please remember. Unfulfilled desires, unrealized dreams, diseases, loss, envy, guilt, bickering children, wayward children, unbelievers in our families, family division, discord, regrets, shame, feelings of worthlessness. We lie to ourselves. We sit around and lie to ourselves. Nobody loves me. Nobody respects me. If anyone really knew me, they wouldn't love me. Nobody really wants anything to do with me. We lie to ourselves. We lie. That's not true. He's saying to us in prayer and supplication, give it to God. Hand it off to God. As I said, it may be a big tree that's been growing in your life for a long time. It's not like a little sapling you can easily rip out of the ground. It may take a long time, but you need to give it over to him. We need to go to God because God is the only one whose peace can guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And remember, again, I want to emphasize to you again, you don't have to be depressed. You do not have to be depressed and you can change. I'm not talking about, well, that was was really encouraging and, yeah, I wasn't depressed for a week and then a week later I went right back to it. No, you can have lasting real change. That's real, like really change. Prayer and supplication, an urgent request to God. Knock on heaven's door. God, I want to change. I'm tired of this. I don't want to live like this. Prayer and urgent request. Supplicate God. Meditate upon that which is true. There are people that love you in your life. Meditate on that which is true, good and beautiful. Don't tell yourself lies. I'm worthless. My life counts for nothing. Nobody loves me. I'll never amount to anything. I can't take it anymore. Those are lies. Meditate on what's true. Meditate on what's true. Don't sit around lying to yourself. Meditate on what is noble, what is praiseworthy, what is good, what is beautiful. Learn contentment. And remember, if you're a Christian, that is one of the major things that God is trying to teach you in your life, is how to be content. 
That's why the thorns and the briars and the hardships and everything else is there. It's to teach us contentment. You have strength in Christ to deal with all that comes to pass by God's sovereign decree and plan. And depression is the result of our failure to respond biblically to life's issues and problems. And so is anxiety. And that's why they're prohibited in the word of God. And unless our depression is caused by those physical problems, poor blood circulation, vitamin deficiency, or chemical imbalance, please hear me. We are accountable to God for every moment of depression we experience. Depression is not a monster. People say it. Depression came over me. I've sunk into depression. It's a big old bear. I can't do anything about it. Depression is not like that, folks. Depression is a sin Christ came to die for and to free us from. He came to die for that and to free us from it. And in closing, remember those four verses I read at the beginning? Why so downcast, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? I'd like to read each of those verses again, except read the second half of each one of them. Listen to the answer. The psalmists themselves, who were battling depression, they knew the answer. It's almost like they knew Philippians 4 would one day be written. Psalm 42, 5. Why are you downcast, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Oh my God, my soul is cast down within me, therefore I will remember you from the land of the Jordan and from the heights of Hermon, from the hill Mizar. Why are you cast down, O oh my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. What's the answer? You turn to God. Give it to God. Years ago, when I was first introduced to Reformation, thinking through a radio program called The White Horse Inn, they did a 20-something part series on the book of Galatians, and they just pounded the gospel And it was glorious, and they talked about the imputed righteousness of Christ and walked through all those great texts in the book of Galatians, Galatians 3 and 4, about God's covenant promises and how they're fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And God has given a perfect curse-bearing atonement. We have full forgiveness, and his righteousness covers us like a garment. And they got a phone call from a, a woman that had been listening to this series. And she said, I've been to every shrink in town trying to deal with depression, trying to deal with this. And they prescribed me this and gave me this and told me this self-help thing and that self-help thing. But to think that God would forgive me and give me his perfect righteousness, I don't have depression anymore. And that that's glorious right there. Turn to the Lord. If you spend all your time navel-gazing and thinking about yourself, I assure you, you're going to be depressed. In fact, I'd be surprised if you weren't. Because there's not much here to get excited about. And God is saying, look at me. Why is the downcast, oh my soul? Why disquieted within me? Maybe it's because you're looking at your soul too much. Maybe it's because you're thinking about yourself too much. Spend your time thinking about God and your neighbor. That's the primary arena of the Christian life. That's the primary arena of our sanctification. If you sit thinking about yourself all day, every day, you're going to get depressed. God's saying, look to me. Look to what Christ did. Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. I will remember you. Hope in God, I will yet praise him. Hope in God, I will yet praise him. There is a prohibition from God on anxiety and depression. It's a sin. 
You don't have to get depressed, folks. It is not God's will for his people to walk around sad all the time. And stop lying to yourself. Stop sitting around and sinking yourself. Look to Christ. Christ's love was so great that he bled and hung on a cross and willingly laid his life down and said it is finished, it is paid in full to reconcile to you, you to God, to give you peace with him. And now he's inviting you. When you're anxious, when you feel the tug towards depression and you're wanting to go listen to those depressing songs and you're wanting to sit and dwell on these things, oh, woe is me. And you want to, you want to write your, your angst into a journal. Oh, one day someone's going to read it. No, I was this horrible, tormented person. Burn the journal. And turn to God. God has not called us to live like that. He said, you, have, you can have joy in me. And one of the most remarkable things in the Old Testament that anyone could ever read, I wish I could remember, I think it's in Deuteronomy 28 somewhere, where God commands Israel and says, because you did not have joy in me, I'm going to judge you and punish you. And God is saying to you, he's saying to all his people, here's my commandment to you, never worry, never be depressed, and I want you to be happy all the time. And our response is, I don't want to be happy, I want to be miserable. And God says, no, I've told you to be happy. And if you're not happy, I'm going to punish you, and I'm going to make you really unhappy. Remember, folks, Jesus is called. He is called, in Isaiah 53, a man of sorrows, so that we wouldn't have to be. So remember that. God doesn't want you to be sad your whole life. He wants you to trust in him. Christ has borne our sorrows. He has carried our griefs. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquities of us all. And by his work and by his will, his righteous servant shall justify the many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Trust in him. Give all your cares to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding and surpasses all your circumstances, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Remember that promise always. Let's pray. This is Pastor Patrick Hines of Bridwell Heights Presbyterian Church, located at 108 Bridwell Heights Road in Kingsport, Tennessee, and you've been listening to the Protestant Witness Podcast. Please feel free to join us for worship any Sunday morning at 11 a.m. sharp, where we open the Word of God together, sing His praises, and rejoice in the gospel of our risen Lord. You can find us on the web at www.bridwellheightspca.org. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace.